Abel. Preaching in Jesus' name this evening. I was given this assignment. Old Testament examples, prayer. Then left with a wide open plate. Sure, where all to go with it? With just four evenings tonight for meditation. I guess for this one, I couldn't help but think of Daniel. Daniel is an excellent example of prayer. As a teenager, Daniel was deported, taken away from his home. Palestine, etc. There he entered a three-year training program to prepare him for the service. God gave Daniel a gift of interpreting dreams, understanding visions, his power of attention to the king. The example of prayer that I want to look at tonight takes place a little bit later. Daniel. I invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through verse 19. If I was going to give a uh, title to this meditation, I would give it Confession in Prayer. The Prayer of Confession. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarus, seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication for fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned, and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts, and from thy judgment. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servant the prophets, which spake in thy name, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteous belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel, that are near and that are far off, through all the countries where thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God, belongeth mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey the voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his word which he spake against us, and against our judges that judge us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath, he, hath not been done, as hath been done 
Not Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil, and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for he obeys not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hath brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hath gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem. Thy holy mountain, because for our sin and for the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication. And cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolation. And a city which is called by thy name, for we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do, defer not. For thine own sake, O oh my God, for thy city, thy people are called by thy name. <coughs> Going back to the beginning of that chapter, Daniel, I'll pick out a few things. And that is in verse 2. Daniel is in the Word. He's understanding what it means that the time is about to expire. That the captivity of the children of Israel is about to be fulfilled. And he's in the word. And he's understanding. If you find it hard to pray, get in the word. Word will give you God's will. To Daniel, this was a nugget that he was claiming. Reading the word, praying, go hand in hand. Daniel was fully aware of God's will for his people, and that's why he went to the Lord in prayer. He knew God's will because he knew God's word. Remember, before Daniel went to pray, he went to God's word. And he studied it. And when he discovered God's will, then he went to pray. We can know God's will by his word. And then we can pray. Also, another thing I'll pick out, verse 3. Daniel set his face toward God. It took action on his part. It didn't just happen. We need to make it happen. He planned for it. Is our prayer a hit miss thing? 
the thing we do just at meal time or just before we're ready to drift off to sleep. <clears throat> Real prayer should never be considered an optional activity of our spiritual life. Real prayer is, in fact, as vital to the believer as breathing is to our physical. Daniel took his prayer life seriously, and he planned before he prayed. So I turned to the Lord God, and I pleaded with him. In the prayer of fasting and sacrifice and ashes. Another thing I see in that verse is humility. Daniel giving the example of humility. As we come before an almighty God knows my from start to end, to cause me to enter into his presence with humility. Verse 4 through 15 is the confession. So roughly three quarter of Daniel's prayer is confession. A true heart of confession is going to recognize its state of oneself and also going to recognize God and how great God is. Another thing I noticed with Daniel is that he associates with the people. He doesn't say they or this people or other words that could describe and set him apart, but he says we. He takes responsibility for the sin of the people, the children of Israel. He doesn't separate himself from them. He understands the responsibility. He's only up to it. Daniel also refers to God as being dreadful. God is a holy God. And sin has no part with him. That should help us tremble and confess our sins before him. As we approach God, we need to raise in our mind his proper reverence of God. Having a simple prayer, a prayer from the heart is going to catch the ear of God. Not like the chanting ritual prayers that we need in prayer. And the example that I want to give you is we were loaned a audio CD to listen to. I think the title is Lost at Sea. It's a story of some refugees that were fleeing Vietnam. And to make a long story short, these refugees were stuck on a fishing boat, 92 of them, out in the South China Sea. And they were left there to die. They had been towed out there by officials and were left stranded to perish. And had gone for about three days. No food, no water, crammed on a small fishing boat, 92 of them. The boy that's telling the story, his father, at one point had been very rich, had owned lots of 
had actually had a factory, had been well to do, and pretty much been brought down to nothing left on a boat's die. His father took it upon himself to stand up and to pray to a God that he was trying to find. And he prayed a simple prayer, and that was for water. Well, it wasn't very long, and there was a dark line on the horizon, and there was a storm approaching. And this was going to be relief, water, to 92 people that were dying of thirst. He said as the storm hit, big raindrops started falling. They tipped their heads back and just guzzled water. And then they started realizing that if they're going to utilize this resource of water, they better start catching it. They got some tarps and started channeling this water. And they said the water coming off the tarps were so, from the tarps being so dirty and filthy, it was black and brown. And they drank it. The illustration is you're thirsty. You're going to drink. Well, what was good was now a problem. It was not stopping. The rain was not stopping. So this father again prayed that the rain would stop. And probably there shortly after the rain stopped. And there was other things along in this, but the point I'm trying to make here is this father had his family circumstances were not what he wanted. And here was a God that was watching out and heard his cry. And I'll leave you hanging there and you can seek after this major story. But eventually they were saved physically and spiritually. And I want to end by looking at Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And I think this is our key right here. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I come for that word. Morning. Reach Jesus' name this morning. Last evening we looked at a prayer of confession. This morning I want to look at a prayer. So I invite you to turn to Psalms chapter 95. Very familiar psalm. Not necessarily a prayer, but uh, has meaning in it that refers to prayer. I'm going to read Psalm 95 at this time. 
O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in provocation, and as in the days of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, and have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. appreciate those songs that we sung this morning speaking of the word how we come to God this psalm here presents us with two ways to live verse 1 through 7a are we a people that are joyfully praising the Lord or are we like latter part 7b through 11 are we a grumbling people Soft hearts are worshiping hearts. Soft hearts submit to God's right and lordship. Soft hearts submit to God's discipline. The sheep can trust the shepherd because he is a good shepherd. It also talks of the rock of our salvation. What comes to mind when you think of the rock of our salvation? Remember with me, Moses leading the children of Israel. God told him to speak to the rock, and in his anger he smote it. But out of that rock came water, and it supplied the need to people. Gave them water to drink, to the animals that were with them, so that they wouldn't perish. There was salvation there find that in Exodus 17. Also in 1 Corinthians 10.4, Paul refers to Christ being our rock. Our rock who is Jesus gives us living water. <coughs> that should drive us to come to him with great joy and thanksgiving. Verse 3 speaks of a great God. Psalms 113, 3-5 From the rising of the sun Let me saw the sunrise Beautiful From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same In that span of time from the rising to the setting the name of the Lord is to be praised If you thank the Lord this morning that you have this time between sunrise the sun has the set Lord is high above the nations. His glory is above the heavens. 
Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high? He is a God above all gods. Why? Because he has made everything. He is the creator. Psalm 145.3 Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Looking at verses 4 and 5, God is the creator. You can dig down into the earth as far as you'd like to dig, and, and you're not going to run out of God's material. Even the oil that man somewhat thinks they own is God's. God gave man the knowledge to know how to tap into it and to use it as a resource to power our automobiles. That's God's. There's even precious minerals that man will go after. Precious minerals that are in the church. Those are gods too. We had the privilege on a trip to Alaska and for gold. And I'm just going to tell you a little story about that. We were given a bag of dirt and a pan and we were told to go to the water. And the first thing you got to do is empty this bag of dirt into your pan. It's not going to do any good in the bag. Take it in your pan, put a little water in it, and you start mixing this dirt with water. What happens? It turns to gooky, junky mud. Well, you need more water. When you start a process by separating the dirt from the minerals. Did I see any gold in that dirt? No, I didn't. There's rocks, there's pebbles in dirt. Well, first step is to <coughs> the rocks and the pebbles things that you can easily see. Then you end up with dirt. Then you need more water. You start doing your slush. Gold is heavy, so gold is going to go to the bottom. And you take your pan, you go into the water, and you do a wave effect. And you wash the dirt up. And you keep moving down. And last procedure is you might start to see a little shininess coming through, but yet you still don't fully see the gold. You take a little bit of water, about the same amount of water that you have to portion to your dirt on the other side, you hold your pan and you do a sideways swirl. And all of a sudden, that water washed across that dirt exposes that gold. And as I remember, the, the awe and the hush and the I don't know what the words I can use to describe the group of people that were watching the guy to demonstrate, but it was just like, oh, here's this gold that all of a sudden was pure, clean, washed. Thinking of that as an illustration of the word washing our soul. Are we like gold? As water washes our, our lives, do we become clear? Or are we murky? Are we muddy? Are we dirty? <laughs> Think of the mountains. How tall they are. I like mountains. God owns them. The sea and everything that's in it. God made it. Genesis. God, through creation, 
created everything. And it's interesting that he said it was good. When God says it's good, it was perfect. Looking at verse 3.
I can trust him that he will know how it will work out for his good will. God is good. This is Good evening. Greet you in Jesus' name this evening. This morning, or yes, last evening we looked at a prayer of confession. This morning we looked at a prayer of adoration. Tonight I want to look at a prayer of thanksgiving. So my meditation is going to be on a prayer of thanksgiving. We have just come through. Thanksgiving season, a time to reflect on being thankful. Not only that time, but all the time. But you turn to Jonah, chapter 2. I have no idea what the program committee was thinking when they wanted Old Testament prayers. I know I hit one of them. I don't know if I'm hitting any of the others that they discussed, but... Tonight, for our prayer of thanksgiving, I want to look at Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods can pass me about all thy billows and thy waves pass over me then I said I am cast out of thy sight yet I will look again toward thy holy temple the waters can pass me about even to the soul the depth closed me round about the weeds were wrapped about my head I went down to the bottoms of the mountains the earth with her bars was about me forever Yet hast thou brought up my life from the corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I find it easy to thank God when times are easy, things are going my way. But here is Jonah in the belly of a fish, down deep at the bottom of the mountains, So stinky, so dark, yet he thanks God. Certainly is a challenge to thank God when times are not going good. I was challenged by a brother. I didn't check to see if he was here or whether I could pick on him. But Brother Lyle... Bontrager gave me this challenge. It was shortly after 
I was ordained, and he wondered how it was going. And he point blank asked me, he said, have you thanked the Lord for your responsibility as a minister? At that point, I honestly had to say no. I had not. I was still absorbing the whole responsibility. Little thinking that the thankfulness of it. Then he went on to say that someone challenged him. And with that challenge, when you consider a thankful attitude, a thankful response, changes your perspective, your outlook, when you're thankful to the Lord. Normally we equate thankfulness with time of blessing and prosperity. And that is good. That's good to be thankful. But when the chips are down, are you still thankful? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We may not always experience, or we may not have the experience of being in the belly of a fish, but we certainly do have times where we may be challenged. And life does not always go as planned, but still be thankful. Jonah here, he was disobedient. He was going against God's will, God's calling, and this was part of God's plan in getting his attention. Sometimes I wonder if God has to get our attention. And I ask that question. Does difficulty come sometimes to strengthen the cords that we have? Just in our Thanksgiving service that we had on Thursday, Dennis had the thought that does difficulty come to see what the response is to those that are around us and how they respond to difficulty. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, going back to the chapter prior to what we read, it mentions that God prepared this fish. The reality is that Jonah could have been thankful in a deep place because the deep place was part of a divine plan that God had for his life. Do you believe that? Everything that happens is in God's control and nothing goes unplanned. How can I be thankful in dark times? It is hard standing by a casket of a loved one. It is hard to be thankful when you're facing the horrors of cancer. It is hard when you lose your job. And you could add more to that list. When we understand and place our trust and our confidence in a God... Who knows everything? Just going to relate a little incident that happened to us. September 11th, we were given the news that was not good. My wife, Christy, had cancer. And we were letting that process and sink in, trying to absorb it all. 
That was on a Wednesday. And I think it was that next Sunday, Sunday evening, we had a little rain shower come through. And the sun shone just perfect. And you know what we saw? It's already mentioned a rainbow, a bow that was set in the sky. And we were in the center of that bow, right out from our house. Picture perfect. You know, if you want something to get your attention, that's a God that cares for you. His covenants are going to stand. The bow was set back in Noah's time, what, 4,000 plus years ago? And he is still the same God today. Nothing can shake God. Scottish preacher Alexander Y. was known for his uplifting prayer. Each and every Sunday he would lift his prayer of thanksgiving to God. One particular Sunday the weather was gloomy and one of the church members thought to himself, certainly this preacher can't think of anything good to say today. When Y. came to the Lord in prayer, he said, We thank Thee, O God, that it is not always like this. When Jonah came to the end of himself and he thanked the Lord, that is when the Lord gave him deliverance. Can we say that? Thank you, Lord. You know, I don't think that it's going to deliver us from our struggle right away. It may, and it may not. But I believe that there is a freedom with a thankful heart that will set the heart free. May we cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Let's pray. Morning. There are a few of you are awake. That's all right. Looking at the last topic, prayers from the Old Testament, we'll look at, I was going to give a title, be a prayer of supplication. Looked at prayer of confession, prayer of adoration, prayer of thanksgiving. Now, a prayer of supplication. Hezekiah is going to be the character. The example that I want to pull from this morning, so I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 37. Hezekiah was a king of Judah. He was the twelfth king. His father was not a good king. Hezekiah came along and took reign at about age 25. He was 25. And he reigned approximately about 700 years before Christ. There was a nation, Assyria, that was taking control over other nations. 
and has now come to Judah, Hezekiah, and is taunting, ridiculing, making fun. Hezekiah was a man that put his faith and his trust and his confidence in God. Isaiah chapter 37, I want to begin reading at verse 14. I'm going to read through verse 20. And this is his prayer. And Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up unto the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of the Sennacherib, which has sent reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the king of Assyria hath laid waste all the nations and their countries, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the works of men's hands. Wood and stone, therefore, they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. First thing that I see, that I find encouraging, is that Hezekiah goes to the house of the Lord. It would appear that he goes fairly quickly, fairly immediately. His prayer is not a grocery list. It's not, I want or I need, but it's something or it's somewhat of a negotiation. Um, Realizing the need that he had and that who God was. As I think of a prayer of supplication, I think of the action of asking and begging for something earnestly and humbly. I think it can, it can and does please the Lord when we come to Him and make known our needs and we plead earnestly and humbly. Verse 15 through 19 reflect that. Recognizing the Lord for His greatness and humbly asking Him to listen. It's interesting how Hezekiah absorbed this news or this letter. He takes it in, absorbs it. It would appear that It's not emotional. He didn't lose his temper, his position. He didn't lose it by cursing and ranting and raving, as maybe some kings would. But he was quick to hear and slow to speak. He also didn't kill the messenger. Some kings, if they would have received news that they wouldn't have been pleased with, would have that power to do away with that messenger. 
Instead, he absorbs that news, that receives that letter, and then he takes it and he approaches God. He went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. Do we do that with our circumstances? The news that we face, do we take it before the Lord and spread it before Him? Do we entreat with the Lord in a spirit of worship and humility? Do we have confidence in the Lord, knowing that He has control over every detail? Verse 16, I think it's interesting how Hezekiah brings out different parts or attributes of God. He says, O Lord of hosts, what do you think of when you think of a host? Well, here, Hezekiah is reflecting on God's army, God's host, greater than the Assyrian host, greater than any nation. O Lord of hosts, recognizing that God is an omnipotent God, a powerful God. Syria was out there taunting and ridiculing him. Don't put your faith and confidence in the prophets or God. I'll even go as far as to give you, I think it was a 2,000 horses. These provide the riders. Kind of a bait. Sounds like socialism to me. Another thing that he points out about God is the God of Israel. God of Israel was a covenant God. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Isaac. And he made a covenant with Jacob. God's going to keep his covenant. (coughs) Also mentions a God that dwelt between the cherubims. A magnificent God. I don't know what that looked like. But... I get the picture of something that was beautiful to look on. Mentions, Thou art God, Thou alone, all the kingdoms of the earth. He's a sovereign God. He's over everything. Then it mentions, He's a creator God. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Hezekiah had his priorities right in understanding who God was. To him, this looked like a problem, but he knew to God it was just a drop in the bucket. Verse 20. Hezekiah knew that if God would deliver his country here, his Judah, that he would be, his name would ring out over and above all the other gods of the pagans. And his name would be honored and glorified. He was a living God. Wasn't that God's plan with the children of Israel all along? That they were going to be separate? That the nations around them would know who God was? Later in that chapter, in verses 33 and 35, Isaiah 
gives the answer to Hezekiah. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. 35. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. The Lord keeps his promise and he delivers Hezekiah. An angel kills 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. God moved in a miraculous way. The same God that delivered Hezekiah from his enemies also can be the same God that can deliver us from our enemies. We must make sure that our motives are right. Hezekiah's motives in asking for deliverance for the glory of God was right. There's also later in Hezekiah, I don't, didn't have time to, to go into this, but later in Hezekiah, Isaiah comes to him and tells him to prepare. This was another test for Hezekiah, prepare for death. And Hezekiah goes to the Lord and pleads for his life. And God is pleased because Hezekiah reminds God that, you know, I'm a righteous king and I've done good. And uh, um, consider the other kings and... God grants him 15 more years of life. And God even shows him a sign of, of making the shadows to go backwards 10 degrees. Now, if you want something to think about, how is that possible without disrupting everything? But that's a God that created everything? That's nothing. God holds each of our lives in His hands. He has a plan for each one of us. We don't know how long we may live. But yet, let's live each day as if it's our last. We don't understand all the reasons that happen sometimes, but I know God knows, and there's a plan. And His plan is higher, and I just need to trust in Him. Let's bow our heads for prayer.